Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello everyone and welcome back to the latest episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. As always, we have Ayaz Memon and we've got Samuel Arora who'll join us soon. Let's get started with the IPL action right up front. It's back. It's back in a newish avatar in a new location. Uh, we've got half of the season left and we kicked off with what can only be called as a crutch game between Mumbai and Chennai yesterday. I don't know if the result is what everyone expected, but for whatever reason, a lot of the Mumbai players did not turn up for the game. And to talk about that and much more, hey Ayaz, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mr. Fantastic. As always, a pleasure being here. Uh, and hello, Samil. I, I gather that you've been kept awake for long nights because of the football, all the action that is happening there. But yes, the IPL uh, swinging into action in the UAE, the first match. Chennai Super Kings versus Mumbai Indians, not going exactly what Mumbai Indian supporters would have wanted. But, you know, it started on the wrong foot for Mumbai, if you ask me, because Rohit Sharma, their captain, their talismanic player, was not fit enough to play. He has a knee niggle, as one understands. And also, to my utter surprise, Hardik Pandya wasn't there. Uh, he's also perhaps, uh, you know, nursing a niggle on one doesn't know. But it really upset the balance of the team. Obviously, also the calibre and the class, because there are not too many players in the world who can replace Rohit Sharma in white ball cricket. And Hardik becomes such an important constituent because he bowls also and he bats also and he's a strong finisher. He's a brilliant fielder. Both these guys not being there, which allowed, you know, Chennai Super Kings to recover from what was a horrid start. 25 or 24 for 4 in the first power play. And not many teams in the history of T20 cricket have recovered from that situation and gone on to win. You can recover in ODIs. You can certainly recover in Test cricket. But in T20, if in six overs you're 24 for four or five, then it's more or less kaput. And how they fought back is testimony, uh, I think, to two people I, I would like to highlight here. Uh, one is uh, Rituraj Gaikwad, the youngster. Not many people might remember, so I just want to refresh your memory that in the 2020 edition of the IPL, he first had COVID, so he had to sit out which was also played in the UAE. And then uh, even somebody like Dhoni uh, said, oh, he has a long way to go. He has to learn and, and stuff like that, which seemed like, uh, you know, uh, it was it might put him down, Rituraj Gaikwar, very badly because when the captain feels that way. But actually, I, I don't know if this was some kind of reverse psychology in play because it just seemed to pep up uh, Rituraj Gaikwar when he did get his break. He was kept out for a long while in IPL 2020. Then started coming into his own. He's now notched up six match, six half centuries on the trot, and that's some you know that's a fantastic record to have in uh, in T20 cricket. He's been in his elements in in IPL 2021, which you know first half was played at home, the second half is being played here, and in this match, what I loved was he's got strong nerves, and also he's got a certain game plan when he's batting. So you know losing wickets, Moin Ali for a for a duck. Faf Duplessis for a blob, Dhoni, Dhoni falling early. All of it suggested that Chennai Super Kings were really undercooked. But this guy hung in there, played the ball on merit, struck some good partnerships first with Jadeja and then with uh, Dwayne Bravo and took his team to a situation from where they could then accelerate. In the last 10 overs, Chennai put up, what, 100 runs or so and took them to a score 
of 156, which wasn't really big on a on a plump pitch, but it gave the bowlers heart. And without Rohit and without Hardik, I thought Mumbai really struggled. The turning point of the match, apart from Rituraj Gaikwad's innings, was Josh Hazelwood getting Kyron Pollard like before wicket because Pollard was the man who could have swung it around, you know, taken Mumbai home, but that wasn't to happen. And you know, all in all, I must also mention here Mahendra Singh Dhoni. There were two aspects which I really admired about him yesterday, apart from the fact that he's looking fighting fit. He came up in the order to bat. He, You know, if you remember in the previous season or in the first phase of this season and, the, and IPL 2020, he was batting at number 7, number 8, sending Sam Curran ahead of himself or Jadeja or some other player. But here, he came into bat in what would expect, what one would expect Dhoni to come into bat. And though he didn't make too many runs, I thought he didn't look completely out of sorts. And then there was Dhoni, the captain. The minute Deepak Chahar gave him those, you know, initial breakthroughs, he just took complete control. The field placings, the bowling changes, what he spoke to the bowlers, everything seemed to deliver uh, rewards for, for CSK. And therefore, they're right now at the top of the points table. Absolutely. I think that also bodes well for the newly created role that MS Dhoni will be playing for the India team uh, at the World T20 as as the advisor, mentor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, what do you think of that development, by the way, just going off track the IPL for a minute? I mean, look, on the face of it, Mahindra Singh Dhoni as a mentor would be a masterstroke. You know? I mean, very few cricketers in the world have his kind of credentials. Uh, he's won the World Cup, he's won the T20 World Cup, he's won the Champions Trophy in white ball cricket. Very, very few players. In fact, I can't think of another who's got such excellent credentials. I mean, you could say Ian Morgan has been, you know, doing well in the recent past. But what it does also tell you is that, you know, you need a mentor or you need somebody else to come in because something is going wrong. And therefore, it didn't reflect too well on the uh, Ravi Shastri Virat Kohli combo or, you know, what they were doing. It, it would seem to suggest. And I think that stemmed from the fact, not because Virat Kohli's record in T20 cricket is poor. In fact, his record in bilateral series is a shade better than Dhoni's. You know, so he's he's got an excellent record. Uh, but in, in multi-nation or multi-team tournaments like the IPL, like he's not captain the T20 World Cup, so we don't know. But in, in the World Cup, he, he couldn't win the trophy. Uh... In IPL, he's at, what, this is his ninth season as captain. He's not won it once. And that was the criticism building up. And therefore, you know, you, one can say there's a yearning for a title uh, which hasn't been fulfilled from the fans, from the administration. And they brought in Dhoni, hoping that, uh, you know, his somehow his uh, he would deliver some magic. The good thing about Dhoni in this situation is that he gets along famously with Virat and also famously with Ravi Shastri. So, these guys, you know, I don't think they'll tread on each other's toes That if that was the fear. But yes, you know, if you have Dhoni sitting in the dugout, what who do the players kind of look up to for, for advice? Would they go to Shastri? Would they go to Virat? I mean, on the field, obviously, Virat will call the shots. And remember, this is his last assignment as a T20 captain. So, he'll want to be completely in charge. He won't let go of, uh, you know, he won't he won't be lax about it. So, it's an interesting scenario, but hopefully, it will work out for India. Absolutely. And now that you mention it, and let's stay off the field for a few more minutes. Uh, Virat Kohli first stepped down from captaincy or announced that he will step down after the World T20. And now he's also announced he'll step down from the captaincy of uh, the RCB. Is this him 
trying to manage his own workload mind space and for sure prioritizing test cricket and to some extent odis as it seems right now over everything else yes i mean look i think it's it's a it's a combination of things because i found it a little uh, a, a little quirky if you look at the statements made by the you know officials of the bcci and virat kohli himself about his relinquishing the t20 captaincy uh, they didn't seem to match so one is of course as i mentioned that there was this kind of pressure building up i think that much is now plain on virat uh, and virat when he put out a statement he said he, he talked about the workload and the mind space space and the freedom to you know kind of not be not be bogged down freedom to express himself as a batsman etc and when the bcci you know put out statements earlier there when stories were swirling around that kohli might not continue as uh, captain in white ball cricket uh, they rushed rushed to his defense and they said what nonsense he's a he's a superb captain etc and then subsequently when he announced his uh, decision uh, the statements we got from the bcci is that oh we were working on a road map for the last 6 months now obviously you know everything all these things can't be all true so there is there is something that is in my opinion has been building up i mean virat kohli is a massive figure in in indian cricket or international cricket and in the history of indian cricket so it's not easy to just take summary action uh, and obviously they've been in talks and virat after being made captain maybe some more talks and then he decided he doesn't want to do t20 captaincy maybe if he is the pressure which is true as a captain because i think that a lot of people believe that you know just captaining in 6 7 8 matches in a year in t20 what kind of burden would it impose but it does there's travel and see when you're a captain you're not only and especially a cricket captain unlike say in other sports like football or hockey where we discuss this often the managers or the coaches call the shots in cricket the captain actually becomes responsible virtually for the performance of all other players collectively you know so if the team there are three guys who don't perform well yes they get the they get the flag but the collective result accrues against the the captain so there there is that pressure now having taken a decision not to captain india in t20 i think it would have been illogical for him to continue captaining in the in the ipl because the ipl is even far more demanding in terms of time and mind space the ipl is played over what 6 7 weeks uh 7 1/2 and weeks and a multiple number of matches 14 to start with maybe more if you get into the playoffs and there's a lot of travel even if it is within your own country there is a lot of travel involved jumping in and out of hotel rooms traveling taking flights so all that takes a toll physical toll as well as a mental toll yeah and that's just set to increase from next season with two more teams isn't it and it is it is set to increase and i think the third factor which is to my mind most important and therefore i feel this decision is absolutely right whichever way it has been reached that virat kohli needs to you know rediscover his mojo and play like virat kohli what we've seen virat kohli over the past two years since the odi uh, world cup in 2019 is half the player that we would expect him to be he's not had a century in tests or odis he's not had must uh, you know he's had successes i mean in england he won two test matches you know he's won uh, in in against west indies you know when in india he beat england comprehensively but the runs and he, he the thing is he's not looked to me completely out of sorts or out of form you know 
So the scores is it's a lapse of concentration. It's like a, a distraction. He's looking good. I remember this World Test Championship final against uh, New Zealand, where I thought that Virat would take the team to victory. He was 40, 40 or 42, not out. Uh, you know, overnight next morning he fell early, and that was it. India were virtually pushed out of the game. So these are the situations in which you need. Virat to be fresh in the mind and gung-ho as he always used to be. And that's where I think he himself has felt that, you know, ultimately, you become the captain of the team after you become a batsman in the team. I mean, you have to be certain of your place as a batsman in the team. And therefore, Virat needs to or has thought about this and come to the conclusion that, hey, I must first be the Virat Kohli that everybody knows and I also know. And then subsequently the captaincy becomes important. It's not the other way around. You can't be a captain player, then it's virtually like a non-playing captain, which you know makes no sense in, in cricket. So I think he's focusing on his batting, which is the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, there was some more controversy of the field as well, uh, which is happening not too far from home. Uh, New Zealand up and left or well, just didn't start off there proposed tour of Pakistan and um, their reasons of course were security reasons given everything that's happening around Afghanistan right now um, but how does that compare with India's decision to not take part in the fifth test I mean it finally comes down to financial losses as well right yep more than yeah, financial losses certainly but in Pakistan's case it's a mighty dent in their you know in their reputation or in the, it's a it actually affects the country directly because the the reason given is that the team is insecure. There's a security threat which actually the Pakistani establishment cannot manage or cope with. That's why on an urgent basis, almost immediately, the team was summoned back to New Zealand. And I think it's a sad development for crickets because uh, it's, it's taken after the incident, you might remember, uh, where uh, you know terrorists had, had attacked the Sri Lankan team more than a decade back. Uh, teams were reluctant to play in Pakistan, tour Pakistan. So Pakistan was either touring other countries or had made UAE their home country. And gradually, after a long time, almost 10 years, teams have started coming back. And in New Zealand was there. They were in New Zealand, in Pakistan. The match was about to start in a couple of hours, but the team just didn't reach the ground. So in that sense, yes, India also pulled out at the last minute against England at Old Trafford. But the reasons were completely different. And there's no dent to Indian you know, there's a controversy about how it happened and why it happened, but not a dent to Indian cricket or India as a country. Now, there is a lot of resentment in Pakistan. You would expect that because if you read the tweets and on social media of all the former players, and they've all come out very strongly against New Zealand's decision. And, and I think the bigger fear now, of course, is whether England, which is supposed to tour Pakistan, is almost imminent. It should, it should happen very soon. Will also pull out. What one hears is... <coughs> that the ECB is negotiating with Pakistan to, yes, we'll play, <clears throat> but let's play this, let's play these matches in the UAE, not in, not in Pakistan. While for Pakistan has become a matter of prestige now, that if, we, if they agree to go to the UAE to play these matches, which is important financially and keeping afloat, you know, in, 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 in the game, but it's also a setback again that, yes, I'm agreeing to go there because in a, in a way it, ratifies what New Zealand have done. So, it's a very piquant situation, a uh, very challenging situation that Pakistan cricket finds itself in. Well, let's hope that things improve and we do actually see international teams touring Pakistan again. It's always uh, a pleasure to see teams playing there. So much history and, well, 
just the fans deserve more don't they yeah absolutely well staying with the ipl for just a last few minutes uh there's a whole host of matches coming up one a day really and you really need to start planning for your fantasy teams and suggestions 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 immediately pick up the guys who seem freshest and not tired case in point rohit sharma uh pick the guys who are most likely to perform in the shortest format not those who may be fatigued from previous international commitments or those who are coming straight off a test match uh look at the younger guys another case in point ruturaj gaikwad he's the only one who seems to be rescuing the dad's army team that is chennai super kings so uh be smart pick the guys who are in form and we've said this before for the t20 especially stick with form nothing else really matters beyond the point yes there is a bit of experience that will help but that's going to be slightly inactive as we see with ms dhoni behind the stumps as the captain doing strategy but you don't win points for strategy in fantasy cricket Moving on to some other sports now. We've got a whole lot of football coming up with the UEFA Champions League and the Premier League action. And to talk about that, we've got Somil Arora joining us. Hello, Mr. Fantastic. So glad to be back right here. It's a big week. Rather, it was a big week for football as well because not only did we have the UCL, but also some major fixtures in the Premier League. And my word, the results were big. All right, let's start with the midweek action in the UEFA Champions League where Man United lost. to the young boys club have you heard of young boys club it sounds like something that takes place in my neighborhood what's what's what are they all about <laughs> no man united actually went to young boys a couple of years ago as well in the ucl but this time with a lot better team in a way with cristiano ronaldo up top and he did score a goal by the way and he's been scoring goals every single time he's taken to the pitch for manchester united but we lost and it was a very absurd match mr fantastic for manchester united of course had the lead eventually early on but Aaron Wan-Bissaka went into a really absurd challenge and got an immediate red card and when you consider Manchester United who are Man United right essentially a top 4 team in the Premier League the biggest league in all of world football with the best players with the most investment they should be able to overcome any team from Switzerland right even though they must be the champions from there but they couldn't we got a red card young boys recovered well they got the equalizer and United were always on the back foot and United didn't seem like they would go out there and find a win instead they felt like they would defend against something and it was going to end 1-1 until Jesse Lingard oh Jesse Lingard he unfortunately put up such a beautiful assist for young boys because he put up a back pass to David De Gea that penetrated the man united defense and walked in straight into a young boys goal that ended very late in the day uh, a big 2-1 loss but sticking on united and Jesse Lingard must have fantastic they found a way he to did turn it around didn't he they, he did turn it around uh, allow me to explain what happened at the london stadium when manchester united faced off west ham west ham go up uh, 1-0 first ronaldo equalizes for manchester united turning out to be a very sluggish draw which is somewhat expected because west ham are a very good team and united couldn't break them down which is a bit sad on united's part but hey more on the ending because that's where the drama was Suddenly, right in the final few minutes of the game, Jesse Lingard scores against his old club in a stunner, and that is how you redeem yourself. That is how you come back. And United were two one up, but immediately after that, there was a penalty appeal against Cristiano Ronaldo, which was again on on further viewing clearly a penalty. But the referee, even after VAR denied it, and instantly on the other side, West Ham got a penalty for Luke Shaw getting a handball in the penalty box. So that got a bit crazy. Eventually, it could have ended as two-two, but West Ham did something special. They brought on Mark Noble, a dedicated penalty taker, 
to kick the ball in the final moment of the game. And guess what? He missed. United win 1-2. Yeah, I saw that and I couldn't for the life of me understand how you could bring in someone cold who's not been in the match situation and suddenly dump all this pressure to save a point at home. Uh, You can't blame him. You just threw him right at the deep end. I mean, it doesn't get any deeper than that. Uh, That one should be just knocked back to David Moyes costing the team a point there. Well, among other action, uh, Chelsea's run of form continues to impress. They uh, won a very hard-fought match uh, against Zenit in the UEFA Champions League. Uh, But back home, and wow, what form have they hit? Going to White Hart Lane and hammering the Spurs 3-0. That was something. That was something. Uh, Roy Keane on Sky Sports said that in the second half, it felt like men versus boys. And that is what it was generally like. Okay, let's start with Chelsea's performance first. We have to speak about Tottenham for a little bit because this represents a major problem on their hands. But Chelsea were convincing everywhere. It it looked like a competitive match, but no. Chelsea genuinely ran rings around them. Of course, it started with Thiago Silva's header that opened the floodgates. But N'Golo Conte came on midway through the match. And one might be thinking, why bring him on midway? That's what Tom Stuckel is like. He sees something he wants to do and he does it immediately. So he scored a goal that came off a deflection of Eric Dyer, And then the third goal was scored by Rudiger right at the very end. Which is a bit strange to see that Chelsea's three most defensive players were the three on the scoreline. But it was a game dominated by Chelsea's midfield. And they really nullified Harry Kane. Now, here's where the problem begins. Harry Kane didn't feel like Harry Kane, Mr. Fantastic. Many people have said online, many pundits, many experts have said that he's still feeling the hangover from the summer that he does not want to be at Tottenham, that he wants to be at a club that wants to win the title. And what's absurd is Tottenham shouldn't be reliant on one player, even though if it is one Harry Kane, so much for goals. Without him, they just felt like blunt, without a top of the pencil, basically. And they just couldn't create any major chances. This is a significant issue. Losing against Chelsea on paper may not seem so bad, but against Crystal Palace and now Chelsea, in similar fashion, not not very convincing this. Yeah, Santo does have his work cut out now for the remainder of the season or, well, more immediately, the next the next couple of games that are coming up. Meanwhile, Man City and RB Leipzig in a European game decided that, hey, you know what, let's try and hit double figures in the goals and they almost got there. Man City obviously getting the better of it, 6-3. Remember, we're not talking tennis, this is still a football game. And it was crazy. Uh, at one point, I... Leipzig came back to reduce the deficit to one goal and it seemed like they may even walk away with a draw. But City, as always, found an extra gear somewhere and just decided to zoom through, score a few more goals and put daylight or well, more than a little daylight between themselves and Leipzig. But the same team that turned up a few days later back home against Southampton couldn't score a single goal. And there's something that just doesn't seem right with this team, does, isn't it, Somal? It's a, uh, I think it's an outlier because normally Manchester City don't have matches like this one. You, know, you see, I'm thinking of this as a kangaroo brawl in a way. Uh, when you're just boxing away with your friend, you're punching each other, you get hit in the face and you're happy and you're smiling. So you go out and punch them twice. That's what City versus Leipzig was. But when the adrenaline is high, you don't feel the pain as much. It's only a couple of days later. And a couple of days later, City clearly were feeling the pain against Southampton. Can you believe it? Manchester City, the Manchester City that plays the most attractive football in all of Europe, clearly they do. They only ended up with one shot on target. 
it's really absurd for them and full props to Southampton, right? Coming away, playing against Manchester City so well, just being so resilient is quite something. But perhaps their focus was a bit too much on the UCL fiction that they just, I don't know, maybe couldn't prepare enough for this one. This, this just seemed like uncharacteristic. Again, off days happen, but when you see how Liverpool and Chelsea are performing in the league, this is a bit, bit of a sore one. Well, that attractive comment was entirely up to you. I never said that. <laughs> they, they are very beautiful. Even though I'm a United fan, you just have to admire the fluidity of the play. But well, if you're a United fan, most other teams play at that. <laughs> it didn't have to hurt me like that, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> no, it's true though. It's true. <laughs> well, moving on to the real Reds. Liverpool are on, oh, come on. real fire. Well, it's, it's a fact. <laughs> So Liverpool beating AC Milan 3-2 and that was that was a close game that really needed Liverpool to dig very, very deep to pull off that win. Uh, felt good to see them kicking off their European campaign with a win against a big team. Remember, they are in a very tough group as well. And to back it up with a very strong showing at home with a 3-0 win over Crystal Palace, uh, I think uh, Klopp thinks that he's got his combination right. The... Front line is firing, the midfield looks strong, and the defense seems pretty all right. Even Allison's not mucking around too much this time yet. Yeah, Liverpool are solid, and that's all you need. Solid in the Champions League, solid in the Premier League. In the Champions League, uh, they had this amazing fixture against AC Milan. And I know the memories flash back to 2007, 2005, all those amazing clashes. And this one was just like that one. Milan, of course, uh, going into halftime 2-1 up, my apologies. And Liverpool fought back. Maybe it's the Anfield magic. I don't know. Maybe it's just that this team feels a lot more mature. But they were able to rescue an amazing 3-2 win against Crystal Palace as well. They were so strong. You get a feeling that this team is just getting into the groove, Mr. Fantastic. It may not look the most attractive on paper, but with, of course, not many new signings coming in. But they know what to do and what more do you ask for from a title contender. Absolutely. Well, there was a lot more action around Europe. PSG, shockingly, were held to a 1-1 draw by Club Bruges. Uh, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe were all playing. And Messi actually seems a little out of sorts. He was, in fact, even subbed by Mauricio Pochettino in uh, in their league game on the weekend. And he was not very happy about that, let me tell you. Uh, Bayern, meanwhile, dumped three goals past Barcelona. So, here's a fact. Barcelona miss Messi. Messi misses Barcelona. But they're like a lover's tiff that refused to make up. So the divorce has happened. And everyone else is picking up the scraps, isn't it? It was insane. Well, it wasn't 8-2 as you rightfully pointed out, uh, Somil. But Barcelona needs some real quick fixing. Because this is an iconic club that just doesn't know what to do anymore. So... That's around the football roundup for this week. Let's hope Messi finds a little bit of form. Liverpool continue and nothing else matters. And moving on to Formula 1. Somil, what's vrooming in Russia? We're coming to Sochi. Uh, the much-hated Sochi circuit. <laughs> I'll be very honest with you. Uh, it's dull. It's bland. doesn't produce much action. Mercedes have won here every year since the race has come back. In fact, I read this funny tweet that Mercedes have had an unbeaten record at the Russian GP for the last 100 years, because I think the last one happened in 1913 before 2014. And even those who are won by Mercedes cars or something like that. The uh, point is, it's a Mercedes land. But what makes this year's race very exciting is that Red Bull Racing are faster everywhere where Mercedes would have been faster last year. So this is turning out to be fun. One is still not aware 
of how things are going to go. There's this air of confidence around McLaren, of course, being new winners. And the best part is the fallout from Verstappen versus Hamilton. They've, have, they've had the second crash of the year. Everyone wants to see what this battle will be like on the circuit. But that said, Valtteri Bottas has had a tremendous record at Russia. Uh, the race is officially called the VTB Russian GP. And many people say it's called the Valtteri Bottas Russian GP because of that. He's just too good over here. Plus, he feels reinvigorated after being let go by Mercedes, of course, for the end of the year. Because at Monza, he was mighty quick. So perhaps, watch out for him being the dark horse to take the win over there. Well, I like how you say uh, that it's a 100-year record, given that there haven't been races here for many, many decades. But that brings, us to, is. Yeah, that brings us to the close of this week's episode. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both. We'll be back next week with a lot more IPL action, because to be very honest, that really is all that's happening around the world. Mr. F- Mr. Fantastic, let me, just, let me just button here before you wind up and just end it on a, on a happy note for cricketers in India because I, uh, while we were speaking, I've just got an update from the BCCI saying that they've, they're going to pay 50% of the match fees for cricketers, domestic cricketers, who couldn't play last year because of the pandemic lockdown. So that's good news for the cricketers in India who were otherwise, you know, didn't even have occupation and didn't have money. And also, there's going to be an increase uh, for, uh, you know, players in domestic matches on a graded system. So if you played... 10 to 20 matches, there's a certain amount you'll get. And if you played more than 20 matches, up to 40 matches, then the amount increases. And if it's more than, you know, 60 matches or 40 to 60 matches, then it goes up even further. So, all in all, I think that, uh, you know, it's a good move. I think it's a very good decision, which means that they are not just looking at international cricket and raking in the moolah, but they're also willing to spend money on on, on the domestic cricketers who may, some of them whom don't even play even the IPL. So it's really good money for them. And this includes male as well as female cricketers. So both both genders. That's amazing. The oft-vilified BCCI is also doing good. And I think it's very, very commendable. Hats off to them. So on that happy note, it's a goodbye from all of us here. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.